Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. Try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. All right, welcome to a special Scuttlebutt episode of Pilot House, where we will be having a little freeform chat on a topic we have chosen related to TV shows and pilots. Strangely, what topic are we talking about today? Well, Sarah. <laughs> just checking my notes here. <laughs> this just in. This just in. That's a Muppet News Bulletin. <laughs> Our topic on this week's Scuttlebutt is favorite types of episodes. So this, so we're going to talk about uh, like bottle episodes or yeah, don't 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 blow it all right up top. Right, but you know, like yeah. a bottle episode would be an example of an yeah. type of episode. Possibly the most famous and well uh, acknowledged as a type. Because I've definitely some of the ones that I think of as a type. I've heard other people go, oh. Yes, I've seen episodes like that. I never thought of them as a type before, but right. because I love them, I think of them as that. So some of these will be well acknowledged and some of them will be uh, types that we have noticed. So uh, we please don't get mad at us because one of them is not on tvtropes.com or something. Or if we don't talk about a type that you really like, please yeah. let us know. Oh, yes, definitely uh, welcome. We could always do a second to chat about this if other people have types you have noticed that maybe we haven't. Future Sarah here with just a gentle little spoiler warning. We're going to go into detail talking about a few episodes of television from a few different shows on this episode. So if you're watching any of these shows currently and you don't even want a tiny bit of spoiler, please be forewarned. Leverage. Lost Girl, Stargate SG-1, Bones, Castle, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Fringe, and Star Trek the Original Series. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Well, let's get into that first one first, I think. The Bottle Episode. Now, if you're not familiar with a Bottle Episode, yes, you are. You've just never heard it called that. (laughs) A Bottle Episode... Uh, is when a television program does an episode in one location or maybe minimal locations. Usually the, the, the predominance of the episode will be in a single location, often a single room. Using, using standing sets. So my understanding Usually. of the origin of this is that it's, it comes from Star Trek, the original series. Really? And they I referred to these that. as... Yeah, so I could be totally wrong about this, no. but this is my understanding of where the term came from. They referred to them as ship in a bottle episodes. And this oh. would be ones that only occurred on the Enterprise. So they don't beam down to a planet. Right. They don't sometimes they don't even like see another ship. It's yeah. like they'll be like, Well, we've just left Starbase Two and the ambassador has joined us and there's like a character who's already on board and yeah. they're saying hello as they fly through space. Yeah. Um, so they called them ship in a bottle. So I, I believe that's where bo- the term bottle episode comes from. That's really interesting. Yeah. So th- that's why I said with standing sets is, is yeah. often it's standing sets, but I've seen shows that do a bottle episode where they're in a set that, you know, it's been built for that. Right. Reason. I think th- my understanding also is that it was originally uh, done as, or perhaps just started out with, a show needed to save some money. Maybe mm-hmm. they're running out of budget later on in the well, season. That, that's or... why Star Trek did it. Right. Yeah, exactly. But so they would do, um, yes, that's why standing sets. That's why mm-hmm. that would even be a factor. So I just wanted to clarify that, that they would go, okay, let's just use the sets we already have. And also if we can just do one set, even better. This entire episode happens because uh, the, you know, Kirk and Uhuru and Spock and Scotty and only them get locked in the oh, Monday. Yeah, I was about to say, what is the oh, TOS version of Ten Forward? What's their like lounge area? I don't the know. The mess. If the mess. Yeah, they get locked in the mess, and then they have like a weird conversation or something. Yeah. And it's you're saving money because it's one location. It's limited cast. Boom. But now some people do it as sort of to as an artistic exercise really yeah let's put just these characters in a room and kind of it's a lot of time you know, characters locked in trapped in an elevator right. classic um yeah to, um, it's just some characters Ooh, i watched an entire show that basically the, the the premise was practically everyone is a bottle episode um 
cannot remember what it is called now. It's a UK show where it's a, it does a crime show. Mm-hmm. The entire episode takes place in the interrogation room. There's Ooh. two sets. Mm-hmm. The interrogation room. Well, I guess the hallway outside they sometimes right. show, but the interrogation room and the 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 other side of the glass mm-hmm. where the mm-hmm. where the rest of the team is. And it's always like we have two hours to break this guy or something. Right. You know, it's it's always there's a bit of a time crunch. Um, this we have to let this guy go in a bit, or uh, people could die if we don't right. get him to tell us where the bomb is. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, and it's always. It, it's all about just the interrogation scenes. I watched a couple of episodes and I just wasn't feeling it that much. But um, interesting premise. There's as a, far as I could tell, they just had those three sets. There's a show like that called Room 237 on, I believe it's on HBO. I could be getting the number wrong. But it, it, <laughs> it, every episode takes place in the same hotel room. And they'll dress the set differently. You know, they'll hang different art on the walls. They can imply a different level of quality of hotel based uh-huh. on the paint and everything. But... It's clearly the same set every time. Um, and it's an anthology show. So each episode is just this different, you know, sometimes it's like almost like a David Mamet kind of stage play type thing. Mm-hmm. One of them's like a weird horror thing where this woman's like babysitting a kid who has an imaginary friend who becomes real. Like it's, it's really, really great. Uh, but I, I think you and I talking about bottle episodes, we, we kind of strayed from it a little bit with talking about these shows. Did you just look up the name of the show that you were yeah, talking about? Yeah. What's it called? Criminal. No wonder I couldn't remember. C- good like God. A really boring name. It's uh, but apparently the premise was so successful that now there are, there, there's a spinoff in like a bunch of different countries. There's criminal UK. Uh-huh. I think they tried a criminal US. There's like criminal Norway or whatever. Like there's, they've done this, because it is a good concept. Yeah, that's a great concept. That's just like terrible name. That um, terrible name. That totally makes me think of a, a friend of mine who produces a music festival. We were talking about a band that we had had play at the music festival years before, and I was like, "Oh, they were so great! That Zydeco band that played the Cajun music. What what were they called?" And um, and we we couldn't remember, and we like went and looked it up, and the band was called Cajun Zydeco Revival. It's like, of course we couldn't remember the name of the band. Yeah. Like, why would you? It's just like, it's just the name of what it is. Yeah. Uh, so we got a little off topic. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason I want to pull it back a little bit is that b- when I think of a bottle episode, I think of it as the characters on an ongoing show that is not usually like that suddenly put into that tighter pressure cooker environment. Yes. Like you definitely. were saying about uh elevator stuck in an elevator type of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, they have a flat tire and they're stuck in the car. Yeah. I don't know why I went full Cujo with that, but you know, <laughs> bad dog. Uh I okay, so I'm gonna say right up front, I haven't finished Breaking Bad yet. It's the show I'm currently watching. And I know there's a there's a very acclaimed bottle episode coming up, mm-hmm. but we can't talk about it because I haven't seen it. But I haven't seen it either, so yeah, I don't I don't Yeah, it's one of the the it, more acclaimed it, bottle episodes. I believe that show has drugs on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um there there are drugs. Yeah. Um there's a guy who says bitch a lot, maybe. Yeah. He also says yo a lot. Uh Ryan did an episode. That's oh. um, that's about all I know about Breaking Bad. <laughs> no, I, I I know the premise of Breaking Bad yeah. just for the record, but I, I weirdly have never seen it. No, I guess not weirdly. It's there's a lot to watch, you guys. There's a lot of things to do in the world. There is. But so, yeah, I do. I agree as well. Like an anthology show mm-hmm. that works on one set, it shares a lot of qualities with a bottle episode. But yeah, I would agree that a true bottle episode should be one where the the show is not normally that and suddenly they're like boom the funny thing is that i was familiar with the concept and i had seen a number of them mm-hmm. before i ever found out that it originally or often was done as a cost saving measure, measure. Mm-hmm. i just saw it as an interesting thing to do like i very rarely have seen a bottle episode and gone Ooh, yeah, they clearly could not afford to do anything but this. This was the best they could do. I feel like a lot of bottle episodes I've seen have been really interesting. And in fact, the first time I remember the time I learned the term bottle episode, it was my dear friend, Philip Horrell, lives Mm -hmm. down in LA. He works in television, you know. 
uh, he told me the term bottle episode. And I was like, oh, is that is that what they call it? And he said, yeah, because you put everyone in a bottle and shake them up and see what happens. And I think he was being sort of, he wasn't necessarily saying that's why it's called that. He was being poetical because that's the kind of person he is. But I went like, oh, all right. Which that is definitely an interesting way of describing it. Because often bottle episodes are, people are forced to stay. They are trapped in a single yeah. location. Yeah. And, you know, I, to say that a lot of them seem really creative. Yeah. I think that, you know, I, I've just been reading a lot about censorship in Tsarist Russia, like in the 1800s. and <laughs> Like you do. Like I do. And the, the more constraints are placed on artists, often the more creative they have to be to sort of get the thing to happen and have stuff. You know, and, and often, yeah. you know, it's like, how, what, how's your cinematographer going to keep this location interesting for an hour? How's your... Yeah how's your cast going to move in this smaller space, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so I think even in the shows that are doing it as a cost saving measure, often they can have some, some better stuff happen. Um, like the, the, um, the Buffy episode, the body there's where the spoiler. Has oh, I know which episode. Yeah. Sorry. The, my look of confusion was how does this relate to bottle episodes, but, continue. but it is a bottle episode. That episode takes place entirely in the house. I was like, oh, I, I've never rewatched it because it's, yeah. it's a very stressful episode. It's, it's a very stressful episode. I remember thinking it was very well done and it was it was mm-hmm. a good episode of television. But yeah, I've never I've never rewatched it. Yeah. I went to a, a like Buffy trivia night at a uh-huh. theater and they were like, and then afterwards we're going to play an episode. And they were like, they um they ended up showing Hush. Uh-huh. That's... Um, that's... Honestly, a perfect episode yeah. in a big set. This is the kind of place where they serve food and people uh-huh. are kind of talking. You don't go there to see a movie that you have to be like really into. Yeah. So Hush was kind of perfect, but they were like, yeah, we thought about showing the body. And I was like, why would you do? I, I, to this day, I don't know if the guy was joking and he just delivered it too straight. But I was like, why would you do that to us? <laughs> that would be horrible. Anyway. So I to, 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 to keep us moving. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to I'm going to close out bottle episodes yeah. by saying Sarah. Do you have a favorite bottle episode of all time? Or is there or is there one that just really springs to mind and you want to talk about it? Yeah, honestly, I was thinking about that as I was talking. I was like, I feel like I should have more specific examples because I do enjoy a bottle episode, but I I, I honestly couldn't think of any just in this moment, I, nothing immediately came to mind. So I really would love if people listening would tweet at us or post on the Patreon or whatever, wherever you like to do interactions. Tell us what your favorite bottle episode is, because I would love to hear about people's favorites and maybe be reminded of some of my favorites that I can't think of in this moment. Do you have a favorite or is it the body? I do. No, it's it's not the body. Um, It is... Equally intense, though, there's an there's an episode of the TV show Mr. Robot in season four. Mm. And I have not watched any. Oh, it's an it's an excellent show. Uh, And the the bottle episode is it's in two rooms, but they're laid out side by side. And sometimes the camera will pan through the wall from one to the other. So it's presented like a stage play. Mm. So the camera never crosses the uh, the like there's sort of a very constrained area that the camera will shoot from almost as if you're watching a stage play yeah and uh each it's you know a tv script is in five acts each of the five acts the title card comes up act one act two act three and it's a little bit of a um what's the word i'm looking for deconstruction yeah a little bit but but almost kind of all the dialogue is written very much more like kind of a mammoth play in that like it's a lot of fast dialogue and people are kind of like there's a lot of um a lot of cussing there isn't a lot of cussing yeah i mean there's always yeah cussing but there's a lot of uh really hard status shifts which is something that i think happens a lot in stage drama where the drama is coming from the performances and the content not mm-hmm. from the camera work or the setting or anything like that because in a tv show you can just have a character you can show a character like readying a gun under the table yeah but if the gun doesn't ever get revealed visually in a play you know, if the other characters don't interact with the gun, the gun doesn't really affect a play in the yeah. same way that it would in a TV show. Yeah. And so in a play, you'll have these really hard status shifts where suddenly someone will have a gun and then they'll shoot the gun, but the gun's not loaded. And then, oh, so now they're going to, they're low status again. And, you know, kind of those back and yeah. forth. Yeah. And so 
the whole episode, it's still an episode of Mr. Robot. It still continues the story of Mr. Robot, but it has like six really hard status shifts in this little interesting little bite-sized like 45 minute stage play it's great that does sound great i wish that i could just watch that episode but i assume if it's in season four that probably would not yeah not that i don't want to watch mr robot it's just i'm that show has never been particularly on my radar and i'm not about to watch it just so i can get to one episode that sounded good in season four i'm just saying i got things to do sometimes well, uh, since I brought up bottle episodes, Sarah, do you have another type of episode that you would like to throw oh, yes. before the before this court? Oh, yes. Absolutely. There is a particular kind of episode, which I like to call a fun day at the office. That's a little name I coined for it. I don't know if there's a technical term for it in the TV world. I don't know if the internet has an accepted name for it. Maybe TV Tropes has a name for it. I never bothered to look it up. What I call a fun day at the office is an episode where either due to, oh, let's say a flashback um, to way in the past, the the past prior to these characters being being alive, Um, uh, someone is reading a book, and then we are acting out what is happening in the book. Uh, someone is having a, is it a coma? And is hallucinating. Lots of different things can happen to bring this about. But basically, all the actors on the show play different characters, uh, often in the past, so they get to wear fun, like, old-timey clothes. And uh, they're just all playing different characters, and sometimes the dynamics between the characters are different in a way that's very fun. And uh, it's just everybody's having a great time. And sometimes they get to do a different accent that they normally do. And they're playing a different character. And they're dressed totally differently. And everyone's just having a ball. Uh, That is what I call a fun day at the office. And there are many, many examples. Uh, One of my favorites was a castle episode where they find, I can't remember how, but at some point somebody finds the journals written by a private detective in the 40s and they're basically written like a film noir narration and uh, they end up trying to solve a crime that he discusses in his journals that was unsolved right so in the present they're solving the crime but every time he goes i've got to figure out it must be in the journals and then he goes back and starts reading the journals and you get nathan fillion doing some real you know Sitting in my office, just with my old pal Jack Daniels, keeping me company, and suddenly she walked in. You know, doing that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, everything's in... If I recall correctly, they might have done at least some scenes in, like, black and white, or slightly uh-huh. sepia-toned. All of the actors are playing slightly different characters. They're all wearing old-timey clothes, and hey, they're doing a bit of a, you know, 1940s right. film talk. And it is mwah, delightful. And you could just... You can feel how much everyone is having a great time with it. Another favorite of mine is Leverage did this several times. One of them is they solve the D.B. Cooper mystery. (laughs) (laughs) The Leverage team actually solves the mystery of D.B. Cooper in this episode. And they act it out. But to get there, they have to tell the story. Right. And in the, in the, as they're telling the story, all the actors are acting out the role, blah, blah, blah. And they used this as an excuse to have two of the characters that are not normally a couple be a couple. And I was like, honestly, if that wasn't intentional fan service, they did it. It, it was, it was fan service, whether they meant it to or not, but I would be shocked if they didn't do it on purpose. Uh, anyway, it was just, it was really, really fun. I've always found the mystery of Davy Cooper really fascinating and it was they had to fudge some of the facts. Oh, yeah, obviously. Because, honestly, the facts of that case are banana pants. But they had to fudge some of them to make their narrative work, but it was really enjoyable. There's, yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of D.B. Of Cooper, just that Loki show that's coming up. Just just wait, everybody. I'm so excited. Are I'm they excited. doing an episode where D- Loki is D.B. Cooper or something? Tom Hiddleston is going to be D.B. Cooper, <sighs> and I just... Honestly, I can't. If he could fly, that would explain a lot, <laughs> right? If he could a fly and b go to an alternate timeline, re- alternate reality, right. another planet, whatever, it would explain so much. Much. Anyway, if you've never heard the story of DB Cooper, 
Just go to the Wikipedia page. There's much for you to read. Uh, on the topic of Fun Day at the Office, I'm going to, unless you massively object, I'm going to roll another sort of sometimes type of, of episode into this. Oh, yeah. Which is a musical episode. Yes. Because um, uh, I have a favorite Fun Day at the Office episode, and it's also a musical episode. But it's not the one from Buffy. Uh, I would not call the Buffy musical a fun day at the office. <laughs> no, that is it is so it, much it was a heavy day at the office. Probably they they did not pull punches with that. I mean, a lot of people do a musical episode so that it can just be a fun, goofy episode. Yeah. And that one, they were like, "What if it was a musical and also a bunch of heavy character shit happened?" Yeah. Which uh, which that, that's such an interesting choice that they did that because I feel like. In the years that followed, a lot of TV shows have had musical episodes. They've mm-hmm. been like, oh, we got to do a musical episode. Da, da, yeah. da. And uh, and often it's a fun, fluffy throwaway thing with a bunch of uh, things where it's like costumes or pairings that you wouldn't normally see. So uh, this, this is a favorite of mine. It's not my favorite fun day at the office. I'm saving that for the end of the segment. Oh. But the, this one is, I think, a great example of all the things you said is the show Fringe. Uh, oh yeah, Fringe. <laughs> no, not the one with Ross and Chandler. Oh, oh, okay. Fringe, uh, uh, uh with Olivia and uh. Is that the show where um you smell fudge even though yes. there is no fudge? Yes, that show. Uh, <laughs> Anybody who knows Fringe is like, that was a random reference. <laughs> I mean, it does happen three times over the course of five seasons. Does it? It just you love that joke so much it's that so it is good. it is burned into my brain. It is and the best I, joke ever in television. It's I've so seen good. snippets of Fringe. I don't think I ever watched an entire episode. So I have a vague idea of what the vibe of the show is. Yeah. But the strongest thing that I know is that that joke. So overall, over the course of the series, the show has a relatively serious vibe. It takes its its premise seriously. Which is fun because the premise is super bananas where it's like alternate realities and time travel and blah, 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 blah. But the all sh- the sci-fi things. All the sci-fi things, but the show takes it seriously. It's like if, if, if Night Vale wasn't a teehee behind hands. And what's great about that is that you get really emotional storytelling around these concepts. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really lend itself to doing goofy fun at the office type stuff. So at the height of when Glee was like top in the charts and everything like that, Ugh. all the shows, they Fox did like a cross all their shows promo thing where it's like all the shows are going to have a musical episode. It's like musical March or something. Yeah. And Fringe was like, we're doing one. And everyone was like, what the F are you going to do? So what happens is one of the characters has a head injury and is in a coma. Yeah. And the coma is a musical uh-huh. that includes like dance numbers. And it is also a 1930s film noir with like hardcore film noir lighting. It's just like they took every fun day at the office yeah. trope that they, they thought of that they wanted to do on their show but couldn't because their show was a more coma serious. and a musical and it's noir. Yeah, oh, it's that is like, magical. They did it all. And like some of the cast could really sing and the ones who couldn't really sing they like they gave them like dance numbers or they just had to come in at the, in one song and like say a phrase talk it's like yeah they actually used people well because like sometimes they'll, they'll do a musical episode they'll have someone singing and it's like uh, like i know you're all friends you're but, trying but uh, you know. uh, why did you get cast in glee you know it's like <laughs> um because autoplune is a thing um but yeah, it's like they, they did all of them at once and it's delightful. And for it's also great because you can, if you have a friend who's watched like the first couple seasons, you send them a screenshot of that episode and you're like, oh, this is coming. And they're like, how? Now, I need to know, can it be watched as a standalone? It has been too long for me to say for sure. Okay. I feel like if you watched it as a standalone... It might would... rob it of some of the the fun because you're not used to seeing these characters be serious. Yeah. 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 I, that's, I'm sure that's true, but part of me is like, I kind of want to see it anyway. It just sounds awesome. It it is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, My favorite, uh, fun day at the office is a coma. Well, I shouldn't say my favorite, honestly. I just feel like I should mention a notable example Uh of someone being in a coma was on, uh, bones Uh where, uh, Booth, David Boreanaz is character. He's in a coma, and while he's in a coma, the doctor, Bones, 
Dr. Bones, is uh-huh. reading him the novel that she's writing, which is loosely based on them. On them. So it ends up being, makes sense that he's picturing all of these characters. But in it, there's like, it's like, they used the coma thing to great effect because some of the things that happen are a bit like, why would that be? But in a dream, it makes sense. Right. Because like, it takes place in a, in like a nightclub. The characters all work together at a nightclub or a bar or something like right. that. Whereas in the show, they work together in a lab, a science lab at a museum. Uh, and it's, uh, so they use the set, but they turn it into a, a nightclub. They use the standing, they, they, their existing set of the, the, the lab office or whatever, and turn that into a nightclub, which it's like a TV, you know, slightly sci-fi version of a real lab anyway. So it kind of works. Just put some flashing lights in. Anyway, it's, uh, I remember finding it quite delightful. And that is, I think, the point of one of these type of episodes. It's yeah. just like, let's have some fun. Yeah. Let and And that's the thing is, you know, we've talked about it before where there's something being made and you can tell that everybody working on it is having a great time with each other behind the scenes, but it's not translating to what the audience is getting. Yeah. This happens a lot with cinema com- comedies where it's like, you can tell Will Ferrell is, is making his co-cast laugh their asses off, but it's not translating to what we're getting up on the screen. Mm-hmm. And the best of these Fun Day at the Office episodes, I think, have that energy. Yeah. All right, well, I think we're winding down on fun days at the office, so strangely, you need to tell me now, what is your favorite? It is a three-way tie between three episodes of Stargate SG-1. Oh, wow! So, <laughs> All right. Stargate SG-1 has a, a re- recurring character who through a bunch of sci-fi mumbo-jumbo, experiences all of their adventures through, like, a telepathic link. And okay. so then he he goes on to become a TV writer, and he writes a show based on their adventures. Uh-huh. And it's, ca- it's called Wormhole Extreme. Cause, <laughs> cause it's so good, right? <laughs> that is so dumb and great. It, and it's so perfect because, like, in the era that SG-1 was coming out, SG-1 was kind of, like, the the sci-fi show that, like, didn't break, like, it didn't break the speed of light. You know, it was kind of more hard sci-fi. And it was, Except like... Except for the wormhole part. Right. But, like, mathematically, <laughs> blah, blah, physics, wormholes, Stephen Hawking, blah, blah, blah. But, like... They the 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 version of them that he writes for TV is like the shitty like turn of the millennium extreme. You know, yeah. Everything's like people shooting giant lasers and like flying with jetpacks and stuff. So the show uses this running show within a show to comment on themselves. But does it? Is it? Uh, he's like reading a script, and so then the audience is seeing the actors playing their counterparts on the TV show. So they do both. So. The first one where this appears is he, uh, they, they find out that security protocols have been broken and they, cause there's a TV show. They like see a trailer for a TV show and it's like a shitty extreme version of them with like different people cast. Yeah. And there's some like kind of TV actor cameos that are funny for that. And so then they go investigate it and that's how they find out about all this. Then the second time they do it, it's the, it's the series hundredth episode. And he comes and visits them and he's pitching them ideas for episodes. And then it's the real actors acting out these ridiculous scenarios okay, okay. that would never happen in the show. Yeah. And um, and then they do it again for the 200th episode of Stargate SG-1. Nice. They do, so they do the concept twice and it's just like, it's, it's a pitch meeting. Yeah. But then you get to see a little version of it. Yeah. So, like, they do a thing where, like, the actors from SG-1 recreate a scene from Farscape where they're all, like, in... <laughs> and they, they went and did it on the Farscape set and, like... Oh, wow. Got one of the Farscape puppets. It's freaking hysterical. Um, and there's an, another scene where there's a race of aliens that they never meet called the Furlings. They never meet them and people make uh-huh. jokes that they must be furry. And so then they go into a forest, they're like, we'll finally meet the Furlings. And they come out and it's the Ewoks from Star Wars. Like, they just, it's amazing. <laughs> wow. And it's its just like, you know, because the, the cast and crew and the writers and everybody has had like literally hundreds of episodes together. When they finally get to do one of these, it's like, you could tell there's over a decade 
of love and craft put into it. It's so good. That's amazing. When you first said it's a TV show, because I was like, that's, uh, I wouldn't qualify it as a type of episode, but like it's a thing that I've seen on other TV shows where like somebody's making a TV show of this very real scenario that you've been watching and you get to see like TV versions of the characters. Um, But I've never seen one where then they also had the actor. So I was going to be like, wait, that doesn't count as a fun day at the office if it's different actors. They did it on both Bones and Castle, which I've watched a lot of both of those shows. And they they have a startling number of similarities once you start putting it together. I'm just... It's, it's, it's It's on par with Bridgerton and Four in Hand. I'm just realizing that that is almost like a sub... Uh, category of fun day at the office because like there's all the um there's all the star trek episodes where like someone has a holodeck story yeah and then like other actors from the show are playing characters in the holodeck scenes but they're not it's not them there so there's like there's a there's a couple voyager episodes where someone has like you know it's like they're they're um they get like emotionally invested in a storyline with Captain Janeway, like in the holodeck where she's like training them or something. But like the real Captain Janeway is not there, or like the doctor really? writes a hall. Yeah, there's it's bananas. I mean, they're a lot. They're stuck in deep space for seventy years. That's or whatever. Just I'm don't... just surprised. Okay, I I've I watched most of Voyager when it was on the air and not since, and I don't remember almost any of yeah. it. I'm just really surprised to hear that because there's like a DS9 episode where they deal with like the ethics of creating a version of a real person who is still alive in in a hollow suite. Apparently Voyager's like, we just did it. We didn't we didn't we didn't talk about it. no ethics. Just do it. Well the the doctor's the one who's creating this stuff. So it's like he's a he's a hologram. So it's a hologram creating holograms. Like what? what's going on? I don't I, know. It's so weird. But anyway I'm I, I always think it's funny when people talk about the last two Star Trek shows and be like, man, the Star Trek just threw everything out the window. I'm like, did you not watch Voyager? Like, so much went out the window on Voyager, too. Like, yeah. they've been throwing things out the way. It's a wonder there's a ship left at this point. There's, there's like, such a good, uh, there's a YouTube video where somebody includes oh, yeah. the part at the beginning of Voyager where they say, how many... How many photon torpedoes do we have left? And how many how many uh, um, uh, shuttlecraft do we have? And then it shows them destroying shuttlecraft and blowing up. It might be two separate videos. There they go. How many photon torpedoes do we have? Only four. And then it shows every time they <laughs> launch a photon torpedo in the show with a running counter. Yeah. And like, it, and like at some point they stopped even acting like should we launch a photon torpedo it has to be really important because we don't have that many they're just like launch another one and another full launch spread. a fourth one full spread yeah and it's just like going up in the in the counter in the corners going up into the 40s or something over the course of the show amazing but anyway other than this that we are experiencing right now do you have a favorite fun day at the office sarah or have you <laughs> covered it yeah, those uh, my favorite uh, fun day at the office is the DB Cooper episode of Leverage oh. with the uh, the noir episode of Castle in a very close second. Also, honorable mention for the Leverage episode where Aldous Hodge in a flashback gets to play a young version of uh, Danny Glover, who's their guest uh, for the episode. It's delightful. That one is a little heavier though. It's uh. There, it's a fun day at the office because they all get to dress up and and be different characters. But uh, it's it's a slightly heavier episode, so slightly less fun. Still deserves an honorable mention. The GB Cooper one though is, mwah, it's great. All right, so um, are we are we ready to move on? I think I'm ready. This is this may be too similar to Fun Day at the Office, but I'm thinking of a very different type of thing. Okay, go for it. So. It is the using the the fact that they are a long running TV show with X number of episodes ordered to do something wildly different and experimental. Okay. So the example of this I would give is again this is from Mr. Robot, but I just watched this entire series, so I'm I'm thinking about these things. One of the episodes of Mr. Robot, they did it as a oneer. So the for those of you who don't know, listening at home... What a, is the technical definition of a wonner? A wonner is a scene or a sequence of scenes that is filmed as a single continuous shot. Got it. To look like a single continuous shot. Um, Whether it's actually practically right. done that way or not. 
this is very clearly not. Yeah. Um, but like the recent examples would be the movie Birdman, uh, long portions of the movie The Revenant, uh, the first five minutes of Serenity, the uh, the movie after Firefly. Uh, just, you know, it's just like the camera kind of moves and follows the action. Yeah. Uh, so there's an episode of the show, Mr. Robot, where the entire episode, uh, 45 minutes long, is a single continuous uninterrupted shot in real time. In a uh, single, focused around a single office yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like a huge protest that turns into a riot, that turns into a, a heist. So there's like a heist going Whoa. on during a protest riot. And all of it makes sense and it all kind of goes together. And th- the reason I wanted to bring this up as a category of type of episode is that... Uh, I mentioned I'm watching Breaking Bad right now and Vince Gilligan got his start on the X-Files. And I feel like the X-Files also did this a lot. Um where it's like we're doing a long-running show but then we're gonna be like oh we're gonna do this episode as kind of a film noir and so we're gonna film it like this or or, um you know like a a, i guess just the idea that you can have more experimentation in television because it's like we already have the characters we already know who they are we already know what the set is like so um there's a there's a another episode of mr robot where someone's in a coma and they film it like an 80s sitcom. So it's all lit oh, and shot. That's fun. Yeah. With a, with a live audience reacting to it yeah. and a laugh track and all of that. Um, and th- I guess that's what I mean by like experimentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like the currently running show WandaVision has, you know, they're doing all these different eras of old TV sitcoms, but it's still uh uh, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff and Paul Bettany as the Vision mm-hmm. with the Vision makeup, but then they're doing like old Dick Van Dyke bits. Yeah, right. Um, and so you know, d- like that that single shot episode of um, Mr. Robot. I was like, I've never seen something like this. I've seen single shot films. I've seen long sequences in films, but I've never seen a story where it is actually deeply benefited by being a single shot where it's happening in real time and where the tension is much higher because it feels both expansive and claustrophobic. And I feel like that kind of experimentation, I think it would be really hard to sell a film like that, Mm -hmm. but because it's part of this long running show and you're like, Oh, we're going to have revelations about these characters that everyone's invested in. And you know, we've got our budget for our season. It's like, it's, it's almost a way to like sneak a different kind of story in. Yeah. Maybe that's a better, I, I'm, I know it took me a long time to kind of talk out this category, but like sneak a different kind of story or a different type of filmmaking into something that's long running. Yeah. The, uh, the show Fargo, um, that, oh, I can't remember. Neil something is his name. Uh, that show as well. will have Ooh. single, his Neil something. Who, who is Neil that you said? Oh, the guy who created the yeah. show. <laughs> the show Fargo, who... Neil something is his name. I'm like, is this an actor? Is it the showrunner? Is it's it the show writer? Runner. I okay. can't remember the showrunner's name and I feel bad because it, it is my favorite currently running show on television. Oh, cool. Uh, you know. It's it's not the characters from the movie, right? It's like this, the it's, same town and kind of a similar vibe. Yeah, it's set. Um, it's not like, fo- it's not a sequel. It's ostensibly set in the same universe. So like. There's a scene in season one where somebody, you find out that a guy, you find out who found the case of money buried in the middle of nowhere in the film Fargo. I've never actually seen Fargo. It's all right. Don't worry about it. But it's like, it it doesn't have... It references the events, but it's not the same characters. It takes place in the same world. Mm -hmm. And so it has the same kind of outlook, the same kind of color palette and everything. At least that's how the show was sold. But see, it's an anthology show where each season is a different type of story. Oh. And season four, which is currently running right now or just finished, is about a, like a black family trying to move up in the world of organized crime in Kansas City in the 1950s when there was sort of a gang war going on with um, black folks moving up because of the Great Migration, trying to establish themselves hitting the wall of sort of, you know, redlining and shit and deciding to kind of break some of the rules. So, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know. 
you know, it, it, I guess the reason I think this is kind of a cool thing that television can do is that they they sold us a show. It's like, oh yeah, it's based on that Coen Brothers movie, and it's gonna have like crime and in the Midwest, and all of a sudden it's like a show like very very deeply contemplating the African American experience in the 1950s following the Great Migration. Like it's amazing. Mm-hmm. that they can kind of get that kind of storytelling in. Yeah. So having that hugely long-winded explanation of this topic, yeah. I think I've told you about the kinds of things that I've seen. Have you seen something like that in a show where you're like, wow, they like, they, I wasn't expecting them to do a full circus show, but they, they did or something like that. I'm Yeah, I, I can't think of any specific examples. I feel like I understand the phenomenon you're talking about, but yeah, I was trying to think if I... If I knew of any, nothing, unfortunately, nothing is coming to mind, but you know me, I like to see the menu. It's all right. I have a hard time coming up with things on the spot, but yeah, that's, God, it's driving me nuts because I feel like I've probably seen a really good one and I just, you know. If you think of it later, yeah. I mean, you, could, you could say it later. It's yeah. not like, it's yeah. like, nope, nope, don't tell me. These are, <laughs> these are hard and fast rules on the scuttlebutts. I actually have a, a bit of a segue What you mentioned uh, someone does a whole circus. And while we were talking about this, I was actually thinking about something of a smaller phenomenon uh, that's related. So this, this one, won't, it's not truly a type of episode, but I am always amused when there seems to be a topic that comes up in a lot. A lot of shows just love to do the one where we talk, where thing happens, the one where... Uh, somebody, someone from the, a character's past shows up. That'd be a very broad description. But right. one that I have noticed is the circus episode. And this happens a lot in period shows because everybody loves an old-timey circus. Right. So Miss Fisher has one where she has to go undercover in a circus. Uh, Father Brown has one uh, where they don't go undercover, but there's a murder at the circus and Father Brown has to investigate. And I am always entertained by this and I've been meaning for a while to ask if anybody else has noticed a show that had a circus episode where suddenly we get into the behind the world of what, what a circus is really like. Have you seen any shows that did a circus episode? I have, and it is the only episode of the show I have ever seen. Really? Monk did ah. a circus episode. To the best of my knowledge, it's the only episode of Monk I've seen. Uh, yeah, Monk has to like investigate a circus and, uh, it's like a trapeze artist or a, an aerialist breaks her foot and then she's like suing someone and then yeah. there's like a double cross and and he doesn't touch things. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's monk. Yeah. It's just everybody loves the circus mm-hmm. and everybody likes the idea of going behind the scenes and all that stuff. And one of my, I just have to call out and I'm sure you've noticed this as a circus person. One of the things that always cracks me up about these episodes is that when you go behind the scenes, people are always just walking around doing their act. Not even like rehearsing, just like basically like rehearsing, but in a way that looks very performative. They're like in full costume and juggling, but they're just behind the scenes doing it. And that's how they set the stage of like, see, it's a circus. It's such a, it's such an aggravating phenomenon, like as a person who's toured circus and everything like that, like, like with the exception of jugglers who are constantly juggling, although, I mean, they're usually like in sweatpants or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's like a lot of circus performers are not sitting around backstage, like in their full kit. Yeah. They're not like, just, you know, it's the clowns aren't like driving to the next show and in their makeup and stuff. (laughs) Right. I mean, there, there are exceptions. There are times where that yeah. happens. But, like, the way it is often portrayed where it's just, like, there's, like, a fire breather just breathing fire for no reason backstage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's just, there's people just doing their acts in a way that feels like they're doing their acts, not in a way that feels like they are rehearsing. Yeah. It's never, like, a guy in sweatpants juggling and then occasionally stopping and, like, doing something different and then starting again. It's always just, like, yeah. hey. I'm freaking juggling yeah. oranges in the in the canteen. Yeah. I just, I had to mention that once you mentioned circus because oh, it had yeah. been kind of bubbling around the back of my brain because another phenomenon, which unsurprisingly I have noticed is the Jewish episode where suddenly there's a Jewish character and the fact that they are Jewish is part of the main plot of this episode. There's a good Miss Fisher episode where 
uh, a Jewish person. And it, this is the show, if you've not seen it, is set in the 19, late 1920s in Australia. Uh, someone in the Jewish community in Melbourne is murdered. And she, you know, Miss Fisher kind of like delves in and there's like something about uh, alchemy and the Kabbalah and stuff like that. And also it's a little bit about the um, the Zionist movement <laughs> oh. at the time. Yeah, and, yeah. It, you know... Um, it, it's, it was actually very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the weirdest part about it is that perhaps the two biggest uh, Jewish characters in the episode are uh, a man, a father and son, and the father is played by an actor who is in fact Jewish and also is extremely Jewish in the way that you expect on television. He's like, ever since I have come to your wonderful country, I have been so successful here. We love Australia. It's like, he's that, right? right. And he's, and then his son is like, hello, I'm blonde and very attractive. I have blue eyes. I'm very, I have a chiseled jaw. And hello, Miss Fisher, want to smooch? It's like, how, what? How did you just like go that hard and then so far in the other direction? So I looked it up because I was like, this actor must also be Jewish. And they must have been like, it is important to us to cast Jewish actors in this episode. Uh-huh. And that's why, and they kind of forgot for a second that people still need to look related. Nope, that guy is not Jewish. So I do not know why they felt it necessary. Wow. Every All the other Jewish actors in the episode look more or less you know, Jewish. I mean, they're all specifically Ashkenazi, I should say, also. Uh-huh. But like, this one guy is just like, well, hello, Miss Fisher. I was born in Australia and I don't have a comical you know immigrant accent and also i'm just so waspy (laughs) anyway um i actually thought about doing an entire podcast called the jewish episode where every episode we would talk about a jewish episode of a television show but there aren't quite enough of them to make a whole podcast um but then I thought, ooh, what if you did just one season of the Jewish episode and then every season of this podcast, you change it up and do the circus episode. Right. And in each each one, you talk about a specific episode and you get a circus person on to talk about it. Right. I don't know. I still think that's a great idea for a podcast, but, you know, so many podcast ideas, so little time. Anyway, that was, that was just, unless you have anything else to add, I just felt like I needed it. The perfect segue was there. I had to hop on it and cruise... <laughs> cruise down the street um uh, anyway the the other uh topic i really did want to talk about my favorite kind of tv episode other than the two we've already talked about the, uh-huh. well bottle episodes and fun days at the office are body swaps Ooh, i love a body swap now this is it's not only a kind of tv episode and it doesn't only happen on friday <laughs> yes, very true. I love a body swap whether it's on TV or or in a movie. But you get I'm a sorry. What? It just reminded me of something. But strangely, I know strangely laughs very quietly. Sometimes I'm you sorry. can't hear how much strangely is laughing. There's there's times I re-listen to our podcast and there'll be a moment where it's just it's just quiet. And I'm, I'm kind of chuckling. And I'm like, why Why is it so quiet? Why am I chuckling? Oh, right. Because Stransley was losing his mind, but very quietly. On Late Night with Seth Meyers a couple weeks ago, they did a segment where Seth explained teen slang. I don't think it was real teen slang. I think they just made up a bunch of nonsense. Right. Like you do. And one of them was MILF, but with two Fs. Mm-hmm. And it was Mom, I'd Like to Freaky Friday. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's so good. It's an older woman that you just, you want to live her life. <laughs> oh my God. Susie Fletcher from the repair shop. Yeah. Sorry, I just, I love that I did have someone <laughs> ready to go in that category. Yeah, you get it. Anyway, yes. Um... <laughs> and if so, it's just, it's conceptually, it's so funny. And it's, it's one of those things that's so funny to me because it was right there the whole time yeah. for all of us to get it. You know, it's like it's like finding out that there's been a, a, a 24 karat gold nugget just sitting in your flower bed right in front of your house for 10 years. That is that is very good. But Sorry, yes. now that I'm breathing normally again, where were we? It does not have to happen on Fridays. And it can happen in movies and has many, many times. I do feel like when it happens in a TV show, you get that extra frisson of, of joy out of seeing an actor you have seen umpteen hours of playing one character 
and suddenly they are playing a character you've also seen umpteen hours of, but played by a different actor. There's that. The, the, and they're doing the, it of their colleague. It's like they've, yes. they've oh, yes. also observed when it's, it. Yes, when it's a body swap and it's, this is, you could argue this is a subset of a fun day at the office because it's, everybody kind of does impressions of each other day, mm-hmm. basically. And I, I, honestly, I don't have that many examples locked in, ready to go, but I love getting to see an actor, because it mostly happens in sci-fi shows. It's somewhat limited to that, uh, unsurprisingly. But you get to see an actor do an impression of their coworker who they've also seen doing this character for umpteen hours. Mm-hmm. The only episode that's just right at the, t- at the top of my brain is Lost Girl. Right. Does an episode where all of the main characters... Wait, except maybe one? Does Trick? I think Trick does not get body swapped. Everybody else does. Yeah, because is he not present? I can't or remember. Is? Honestly, I can only vaguely remember. <laughs> but they swap Dyson, who mm-hmm. is the, the tall... If you don't remember our episode about Lost Girl, you should go rewatch, listen to it because it's great. But Dyson is the strong, tough, sexy werewolf cup. And he swaps bodies with Kenzie, the wacky raver goth sidekick. Yeah. And the actor... Oh, forgetting his name now, and this is screaming at me. Um, Chris something. The actor ha- who play normally plays Dyson has so much fun with it. You just he is mostly stalking around, being like, "Bo, this is serious," and that's the character he mostly gets to play. And all of a sudden, he has an excuse to be like, "Woo, let's get drunk, friends!" And, and like he just has a great time, and it's delightful. Based on what I've seen of him in like interviews and promo stuff. That is closer to his actual personality. <laughs> I would not be surprised. He looked like he'd been bottling up all of this energy and he was like, oh, yeah. oh my God, finally, finally, the audience of Lost Girl gets to see who I truly am. He's like walking around because he was like, well, she's wearing yeah. these, um, that Kenzie is wearing these ridiculous high heeled boots. It's part of the, the setup of the episode that she's bought these boots and they're difficult to walk in. And then Dyson has to walk in them. Dyson's brain has to walk in for the rest of the episode. And they do a bit of fun with, he's like, you know, the actress who plays Kenzie is, does a fun bit of like, I'm kind of getting the hang of these or whatever. I don't remember the specific thing she says, but uh, that one is particularly fun. It's unfortunate. It is somewhat sullied by them doing a really crass, you know, a guy is in a woman's body and he grabs her boobs and she's across the room in his body going, what the fuck? And I mean, they don't treat it with enough immediately like touch his washboard abs is like, this is, that's not who Kiara is though. She wouldn't do that. Oh, oh, was she the one? Kiara and that's right. Oh no! What's Wait, his name? It? No, but Kenzie the and Dyson. I, didn't she like also? Feel oh, his I think she goes abs? like, hold on, and she feels the washboard abs, and she's like, oh my god, yeah. I've always wondered. And that's like, it's a little, you know, but like they're in each other's bodies, right? Yeah. The fact that Hale, Hale, his partner, goes, "I'm so sorry, I have to do this," and he just that, grabs the boobs. It's like that was, and she's like, "I am weird. right here." It's weird that he said something first. Yeah. I don't know why that makes it weirder. Because it is weird. But like Kenzie just being like, oh, like almost involuntarily. Yeah. Like, what? This is so weird. Just, it's more, that that felt more like a childish sort of, it felt like the doctor saying, oh, new teeth. That's weird. Yeah, when, exactly. When Tennant first starts. Wait. Ooh, does Tennant say that? Or Yeah, that's a Tennant thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's more of a like, whoa, weird. Whereas Hale, it's premeditated. He goes... Sorry, Kiara, but I've always wanted to feel your boobs specifically. Yeah. It felt like that. I felt like they could have done the joke, and it still would have been a little bit groaning, but it would have felt less gross if he had said, Kiara, I've always wanted to know what it would feel like to touch breasts, but like, they're my breasts? Can I? And she would go, no. And he'd be like, okay. Yeah. That would have been so much funnier because it would have played with sort of a, a deep sort of, I've always wondered what it would be like to have this different body and yeah. asking permission and then being told, um, no, and going, okay. That would have been just as funny. Wait, well, way funnier Arguably in my perspective. Funnier. Yeah, way funnier in my perspective. I think from just a general TV perspective, the type of joke it is, just as funny and less gross, so more funny. I That was the one thing that, that sullied it. But just getting to see... um Whatever the hell his name is. Getting to see Dyson be Kel- uh, Kenzie was 
so much fun. Everyone else is having a good time with it, but no one in the history of television has ever had so good a time as that actor did that day. I have an all-time favorite body swap episode, and unfortunately it's animated. But, oh, still fun, but yeah, you're you're not watching the actors have a, a right. But the, the I guess the voice actors are still yeah are still getting to have that fun. What was the, it? it? It's uh, it's it's one of the Justice League animated shows, and Lex Luthor and the Flash because reasons swap bodies. Sure. So the Flash is in Lex Luthor's body walking around the Legion of Evil, and he goes into the bathroom. He's having like a panic attack, and then one of the other villains comes in, sees him, and he's just standing there, dry hands on the sink. And they, the, the other villain's like, you okay? And he's like, yeah. And then he's he's going to leave. And the other villain goes, Luther. And he's like, what? And the villain goes, are you going to wash your hands? Yeah. And Flash, in Lex Luthor's body, looks the guy dead in the eyes and goes, no, because I'm evil. <laughs> it's so good. I'm sorry. I think I've seen a clip from that. Isn't that the one where then Lex Luthor goes in the bathroom and goes, I am going to find out the identity of the Flash. Yeah, and he, and he raises the mask, the mask and goes, uh, I have no idea who this man is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So sorry to that man. <laughs> and they just, they, they use the concept so well for the storytelling and the, the humor of it. Oh, and yeah. And that's why I love it so much. That like, is pretty great. Oh. And I I think the the thing for me is that the concept should be used in such a madcap way. Like yeah. that. As opposed to, I feel like often the body switching inside and again also i can't think of specific examples but i feel like it ha- it will happen on on like star trek or something and it'll be like it'll be like emotional yeah or like you know two characters are both inhabiting the same body or something and it's like who will we let one live or whatever you know oh yeah like, there's a very famous like, voyager episode yeah two vix yeah um but like i have there I, there must have been. I mean, there's so much you can do with the transporter. There must have been one where people just straight up body swap, right? I just can't think of one. Yeah, there's a Kirk, a woman body swaps with Kirk in the original series because there, there's an episode where, I think, is it the last episode of the original series? The, is it the Ensigns of Commanders? No, that's a TNG episode. So there's an episode of the original series where apparently it was original series era canon that women weren't allowed to be captains. Because they were commenting on society in the mm-hmm. 1960s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that we get to the point of space travel and women still wouldn't be allowed to be captains. Look, uh, they just... Uh, it makes about as much sense as the mustard sweaters, I guess. But. Yeah, I... I um, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah. I, I do look good in a mustard sweater. I own one, and I know this. Yeah, that's right, too. Well, yours is a cardigan. That's true. But I look good in that color. I guess yeah. that, that's what I'm yeah. getting... No. But, um, so there's a woman who, she's super qualified. And she I'm sorry, just... that was like a real podcast co-host life overlap moment. I know exactly what sweater you're referencing. And to be specific, it is a cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real podcast wife moment. Please continue. Oh, well, you know, I'm glad I'm your podcast wife. Yeah, to be clear, Strange is my podcast wife. <laughs> the, uh... So this woman is super qualified. She should be captain, but she's denied because of this regulation. So I can't remember how she engineers it, but she body swaps with Kirk. Oh, yes. She does it on purpose to make a point, right? Yeah. I've I've heard people talk about this. I don't think I've actually seen it, though. Well, because you get to see Shatner playing, and I put this in like a bajillion air quotes, like six miles long, a woman. Right. And it's just not, I mean, like. Does he not, you're saying he doesn't nail it. There's so much swish. Like, if the woman who he swapped with was portrayed as having a lot of swish before, you know. Yeah. But it's like, the woman is like, I'm going to be a captain. And then all of a sudden she's in Kirk's body. It's like, hello, boys, I'm the captain. <laughs> you know, and it's like. Like, Kirk, like Shatner was like, okay, I, I can be a woman. I know what women are like. <laughs> yeah. I, some of my best friends are women. If I if I if I just act the way that actress has been acting, it'll it'll basically just be Kirk. So I gotta like amp it up a little. Yeah. 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 Oh, delightful. I've met women before. <laughs> and you think that you have? <laughs> oh yeah. It's, um. Uh, I think that wraps it up for body swap episodes. 
Of course, as usual, we would love for you to tell us if you have a favorite body swap episode we didn't mention. Genuinely. This isn't like a calculated call for engagement. I genuinely want to hear about more body swap episodes and more fun days at the office. But before we wrap up completely. Yeah, I think all of these, though, kind of actually dovetail into that thing that I was saying when I had that long ramble about experimental episodes. Yeah. Is that on TV, you can get away with with using weird tropes or doing weird stylistic things that it would be harder to sell in a single, you know, a single piece film. Yeah. And I think that's why talking about bottle episodes or fun day at the office episodes is, is really interesting and fun because it's like you get to see a show deconstruct itself within its own narrative framework. And I think that's really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Uh, Sarah, as we're sort of wrapping this up, there's one more category, and I think this might have actually been the category that made you and I think we should talk about uh, categories of episodes. And this is annual event that we've never heard of before. Yes. So it's yes. like a show that's been running for years, and all of a sudden someone's like, every year we drive up to the mountains. Yeah, it's, it's I guess, arguably, it's not quite a type of episode the way that, that a bottle episode is. Uh, but it is a f- TV phenomenon that happens on so many shows, and it always kind of cracks me up. Well, the, the, it's it's very close to a phenomenon that I think I pointed out to you at some point, which is all the characters are in an adventure, and then all of a sudden there's like a sexy lady ninja who comes in, and they're like fighting her, and then all of a sudden they're about to shoot her or something, and one of the characters is like, wait, guys, stop! And they're like, what? And he goes, that's my wife! And it's like, boo, boo, smashed opening credits. Oh, yeah. Never mentioned you were married before. Never hinted that you were married before. We've never heard you have a wife. And so it's like, character we've never heard before is intimately connected to yeah. the center of things. And I think that's kind of like the annual event that we've never heard of yeah. before. Ele- I guess, yeah, we could expand it to an element of the show that has uh, that they're trying to sell us on has always been present suddenly yeah. appears. One of the things that, uh, one of the most egregious examples I think I've ever seen was on the show Eureka. I feel like it was in the third or fourth season. Uh-huh. Which That's a show about a very small town in the uh, woods of Oregon where there's like a secret government facility for inventing exciting technology that isn't real. Um, and it's, there's a town there and that's where all the people live and it's all top secret and just wacky things happen because top secret government well, the, science. The town, but, the town has like a, a IQ, you have to have above a certain IQ Something like there. that. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our audience avatar is the sheriff of the town. Who has the lowest IQ in town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and is played by, oh, Colin something. Dang it. Colin Chiseljaw. He's he's a delightful actor that I've almost always seen play like kind of authoritarian, but like mm-hmm. easygoing, folksy authoritarian yeah. figures. Uh, anyway, I, I I adore him. He's delightful. But uh, they did it more than once. Yeah. On that show, though, I think the most egregious one I'm I remembering was like a dog show. Like, everyone brings their dogs to this dog show to, like, do tricks and blah, blah, blah. And, like, it's like like a, like a you know, right. Westminster, not Westminster. Wait, what's the, anyway, famous dog show. It's it's one of those dog shows where they are judged on doing tricks and on their coat and blah, blah, blah. They're doing that. And they're like, oh, yeah, Sheriff, you didn't know? We have this every year? How have you not noticed? And he's like, I don't know move on but the thing is in addition to this being egregious because they've never shown this event before characters suddenly have dogs that never had dogs before to make the show work i if you've seen eureka more recently and and i'm remembering this completely backwards i apologize but they did it more than once so i might be conflating two or something like that but i feel like they did it more than once where suddenly there was an annual event and and it's a small town so it's even less likely that someone could somehow be unaware of this annual event i want to call out as a good example of someone who was aware of that trope and avoided it that in lost girl which is another thing about a very specific community where we have a two new characters who are new you know kenzie and Bo are new to the world of the fae and so they're the ones who have to have things explained to them 
They did their, oh, this is a holiday that Faye observe every year that's very important. They got that out of the way in the first season. Yeah. Now, I haven't watched the whole show yet, so they might do a, a, you never heard about this event thing. They might still do that, but they got the holiday that you could not bring that one up. They talk about it like, oh, it affects every aspect of Faye life. They were like, we got to get this done in the first episode or the first season. Like, well done to them. Lost Girl does that thing where the, it's like, even though it's five years of show, mm-hmm. the in-universe time that passes is less. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. In a, like, or it, at some points it does that, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like season, you know, the season ends and then the next season starts five minutes later. Right. But they then they d- don't they do a that. jump to account for it. It's a year from, it's a year later. <laughs> And Sorry, that just reminded me of something else that, uh, that could be brought up on this. Please continue. Um, but it's like, it, it, that is weird to me. Like the, the show, Mr. Robot. Sorry, I know I'm talking about it a lot, but it, I just watched yeah, the whole series. It's, it's, it's in your mind. The whole show, which started airing in 2015, takes place over the course of six months. So even though the last season aired in 2019, wow. it's still 2015 in the world of the show. That's a choice, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And it makes sense, like once you once you've seen the whole show, it totally makes sense why they made that choice. But it is odd because time is not moving for the characters like it is for us. Yeah. I was about to say, um, I just thought of an example of a thing that we could talk about, but we're already well over an hour, and I did not expect this to go this long. Well, it's gonna go in the dock. This is a perfect segue into ending this. Yeah, so, yeah. Here we go. It's gonna go in the dock, Sarah. Yeah. For topics of the to talk about in the next scuttlebutt about yeah. types of episodes, and hopefully our listeners will have suggestions for types of episodes that we can yes. talk about on the next one of these. Yes, please by all means suggest other types so we have excuse to do another scuttlebutt about this. Maybe a shorter one the second time, but then I will get to uh, mention the thing that you just reminded me of that we right. don't have time to go into right now. So, shall we? Move on to the end. Move on. This is starting to feel like a bottle episode, Sarah. (laughs) On that note, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website, pilothousepodcast.com, or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future shows. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported, so thanks to our special guest stars, Jerome, CJ, Josh, Christopher, Tina, and Juniper. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production.